0: Welcome back to The Culture Commentary. I'm Kendra Wallace. Uh, First off, let me just say, uh, you all know that I live in Atlanta and right now the mayor and the governor are basically at war with one another over masks and what to do about coronavirus. And it's just a crazy time. Um, And that's just more evidence of how crazy this time period is. But the most telling note That I mean, and I don't know what this is a sign of, but I would advise you all to get your affairs in order. I don't know if pigs are gonna fly, if hell's freezing over, if um, hide your wife, hide your kids. But on Saturday, Donald Trump wore a mask while visiting Walter Reed, the hospital. Walter Reed Hospital. Um, What? I don't know what that means, but I don't feel good about it so (laughs) because this is the man who said we don't need no mask and then he puts one on and then says well when you're going into a hospital or an area like that I mean these are vets and they're sick and I wore a mask and I was like yeah I need to everyone needs to get their affairs in order because I don't know what that's a sign of but not good not good but that's that's that. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know any more to say about that. So I'm just going to move on with the show. I'm going to start with That's Ridiculous. So the first thing I want to talk about is Disney World. Disney World is open. It opened on Saturday. Um, this is Disney World in Orlando. Disneyland in California is still closed because of their state's um, regulations or whatever. But in Florida... Disney World is reopened. This is the same Florida that on Friday reported eleven thousand four hundred and thirty-three new cases, new coronavirus cases, COVID cases. That's its biggest daily increase since uh, July third, which, by the way, wasn't that long ago. But <laughs> since July third, where they had eleven thousand four hundred and fifty-eight cases. On Friday, they had 435 hospitalizations, which was the state's largest single-day increase. And the day after that, on Saturday, Disney World was like, we open. Let's do this thing. Um, utterly ridiculous. So... The governor, of course, has refused to issue like a statewide mandate that says you have to wear masks. But Disney World is requiring masks in its parks. Um, The other thing this doing is saying that visitors are required to social distance, that only people with uh, reservations can enter the park, and that you won't be allowed to switch between parks because... On the 15th, um, Epcot and Disney Hollywood Studios are going to reopen too. But you won't be able to switch between the parks. um, And that visitors and employees are going to have their temperature checks. They've also canceled things like the fireworks, the shows, the parades. Because they're trying to prevent people um, from gathering to having big gatherings. And that's all fine and dandy. But here is my thing. How do you effectively social distance at Disney World? And I don't know if they're limiting the number of tickets. The article that I was reading, and I didn't do any further research on that, didn't say. So I'm assuming that you're going to limit the number of tickets in the park or else you can't social distance. Because Disney World is crowded by nature. Now... So we're t- let's talk about the rides. Sure, you can social distance and waiting in line for rides. That seems relatively simple to do. Put some stickers down. You stand on those stickers. However, what about the rides themselves? That's what would concern me the most. Okay, We all have on masks while we're walking around going from ride to ride or concession stand to concession stand or store to store. What about the rides themselves? Are you disinfecting them after every group of people to increase the wait times? I don't think so. And then not only that, but some of those rides are enclosed. What happens when people get on the rides, take their mask off and scream (coughs) and have fun and talk and do this? And some, some parts of rides are enclosed and some are outdoor I mean, if we're on a roller coaster, you're probably maybe better. I don't know about the handrails. If you're cleaning the handrails and those things after every person, you're probably um, gonna be safer. But I, it's too much left to chance for me to like visit a Disney World. But the article did say that all of the July tickets for the month have been sold. Um, so they're sold out for the month of July. So people were ready. One lady in the article said she just wanted to feel the magic. You might be feeling the magic of COVID-19 when you leave. Um, And I guess that's worth the risk. And it was her and her 16-year-old daughter. Look, y'all can do something else. You don't have to go to Disney World. But you can't tell these people nothing. So... Good luck. Disney World's opening in a state that is out of control and has zero zero control over its number of COVID cases. And Disney's like, let's open back up. We've been closed for like four months. You know, we've had enough. Just let the people in. I don't know. <clears throat> it all seems like a bad idea. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, unsurprisingly, I predict even more cases for Florida. So... Way to go. All right, moving on, and that's ridiculous. Let's go to Mississippi now. we to Florida. Let's go to Mississippi. In Mississippi right now, one in six of their state lawmakers have tested positive for coronavirus. One in six, because they are a special bunch down there in Mississippi. So for weeks and weeks, months, The lawmakers in Mississippi have denied the need for face masks widely, openly. You don't need to wear no face mask. We good. Everything's fine. They even refuse to require face masks when in the Capitol. So like visitors to the Capitol, themselves in the Capitol, when they come to work or whatever they're doing, they have said they made it a policy that no one has to wear a mask or didn't make it a policy to wear a mask. However, that should be phrased. Point is, no mask in the Capitol. Now, they all went to this bill signing at the governor's mansion last week and they had no mask on. They did some other things over the past few weeks. They've had budget meetings and they've had meetings about the unemployment in the state They've had public visitors to the Capitol and to those meetings that people that wanted to voice their opinion on the meeting could come in person and talk about them. No mask required. Now, after all of that, last week, 26 lawmakers have tested positive for COVID 19. 26 of you smart guys have (laughs) tested positive. COVID-19. This includes the Lieutenant Governor Delbert uh, Housman something like that. And State House Representative Philip Gunn. Also they're all positive. The Governor tweeted on Friday. He doesn't have it and neither do the two daughters because he had limited contact with those 26 people. Basically they were just at his mansion to sign that thing but he wasn't involved in all the other shenanigans. So him and his, his children are good. We good. Um, not only that, during their meetings, they didn't even they didn't even attempt to social distance. So not only were they not wearing masks when they met on the floor. Um they, their desks are super close together. They would have meetings in there. Nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody was even attempting to be six feet apart. So then they interviewed one lawmaker, um, Representative Ronnie Crudup Jr., and he said he wore his mask, what he said was 95% of the time. He's one of the people who tested positive. He said he wore his mask 95% of the time, um, but he could have been more vigilant. But this to that statement, and that's pretty much all he said was like, you know, all it takes is that 5% of the time not being vigilant and you can get it. No, I think it's a little more than that, sir, because the way the face masks work, you both, everyone needs to have it on. If you don't have it, as we all know, I mean, this has been told to us a million times. If I have on a mask and I don't have COVID, but you don't have on a mask and you do have COVID, I have, I got a pretty high percent chance of getting it. But if we both are wearing it, there's a low percentage that the person who has it can transmit it. But if you're the only person walking around the Capitol with a mask on, you're going to get COVID. (laughs) Because... You need the collect the majority of the people need to have on their mask, especially the people with COVID. And since you don't know who that is, everybody needs to have mask on. It's for, but that just shows you what they they don't they haven't been paying attention in Mississippi. They don't care in Mississippi, and obviously they. How are y'all supposed to? You know what? I was about to say protect the state, but I don't think you care about that, and y'all can't even help yourselves. But anywho, but after all of this, Thursday, the governor mandated masks for 13 counties that had spikes. That includes Jackson, Biloxi, and uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. So, I mean, I guess he's moving toward, I don't know what the piecemeal approach is about. Um, Just say everybody got to wear a mask. I don't understand why that statement is so hard for governors. I just say everybody got to wear a mask. But anywho. I guess they will not be running around talking about how masks are not needed since 26 of them have COVID. So and they didn't mention um, any contact tracing. So I don't know what's happening with their families or uh, the public that they came in contact with. It didn't mention that. But that that number is clearly going to be a lot larger because those are 26 people you know, those 26 lawmakers, but they had contact with a lot of people and their families. So I imagine that, you know, they're a little outbreak of, of, in and of themselves. The lawmakers have caused a little outbreak in Mississippi. Way to go guys. So we've been to Florida, we've been to Mississippi. Now let's go to West Virginia for the last That's Ridiculous Story. Oh, West Virginia. So in West Virginia, a postal carrier last week pled guilty to mail and election fraud. This man, his name is Thomas Cooper, he's 47. He admitted to tampering with mail-in or the, the request for mail-in ballots. So he was, so he pled guilty on Thursday. After an affidavit and all this other evidence was filed. And I mean, and he said, yeah, I did it. So in April, um, a county clerk. So she signs an affidavit that says a county clerk found she found some absentee ballots, like eight of them that were tampered with with a black ink pen. So what he was doing was for five of those people, he was switching from Democrat to Republican. So your request for your ballot, he was switching people's parties party affiliations to Republican, he did something else with three other ballots that were Republican already, but they didn't specify what he did to those. Cause I mean, obviously he was trying to make Democrats Republicans or to get Republican ballots. I'm, I'm not sure what the goal was and that, but that's what he was doing. Um, and so yeah, so the the three others, they just said the affiliation was publican, but they were altered, but they didn't know what, they didn't say, the party wasn't changed, but they didn't say what exactly was changed. All of those ballots were in Pendleton County, I guess Pendleton County, West Virginia, and um, Cooper, the postal worker, admitted it. He said it was a joke and that he didn't know any of the voters. That's not a joke. You don't, haha. ha. Like, where's the funny part in me requesting a Democratic ballot, absentee ballot, and receiving a Republican ballot? Because you, the mailman, has tampered with my... I don't know what's wrong with people. Um, And I don't know what he was trying to accomplish um, with that move, but... I can't even figure... I don't even know what the end game was. I don't know. Because this was the primary. So I'm confused by what the end game was. Um, Odd. Very odd. But anyway, he didn't even do it very well. He used a black ink pen that was, apparently was obvious to the county clerk upon seeing it. It was like, oh, somebody messed with this. So it wasn't even good. And so now um, you're going to do some time. So good job, Thomas Cooper. Okay, so that was my That's Ridiculous segment. Now I want to talk about um, more coronavirus stuff. But on Thursday, after pressure from researchers, the WHO acknowledged that the coronavirus can linger in the air indoors and potentially infect people when they practice social distancing indoors so before last week the who had maintained that airborne transmission of covid occurred only during certain medical procedures and that nearly all of the infections occurred when people inhaled respiratory droplets expelled in their immediate vicinity and when they touched contaminated surfaces thus the <clears throat> mandate to social distance and to wipe down surfaces regularly and to wash your hands regularly and not touch your face, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But there has been mounting evidence apparently over this time. Um, evidence by super spreading events. So, like um, there was an incident where multiple choir members that were indoors um, got coronavirus, also a cluster of restaurant diners and dance students who were all infected um by doing by being in a group indoors. <clears throat> so this week. Two hundred and thirty-nine researchers. Two hundred and thirty-nine, not a small number. Two hundred and thirty-nine wrote an open letter to the WHO, urging official officials to accept the possibility that um, aerosols were an important contributor to the spread of this virus. So, what WHO did on Thursday was they slightly revised their um guidelines and recommended that you avoid enclosed spaces with poor ventilation whatever that means um and as well as crowded places but it didn't change its position on masks it's the who's position on masks that you only need to wear when social distancing is not possible and i think we all know that i that's not how we should be operating Um, I think you should be wearing masks yeah great great advice WHO but no I think we should all be wearing masks all the time so um, WHO said that airborne transmission had not been um, definitively demonstrated but granted that it was possible and said that more research was needed but those scientists some of those 239 are frustrated with this response because They're like, look, we, one of them was a University of Colorado chemist. And he said um, that most, well, he acknowledged that most people know that if you're a mask wearer or one of those people who knows that you should be wearing a mask or believes that you should be wearing a mask, that you know that just wearing them when you can't social distance isn't enough, that you should be wearing them all the time and um, that mask should be worn indoors. Um, he said away from home at all times. I agree with this, and that it no matter the social distances, so whether you are four feet apart or twelve feet apart, everybody needs a mask on. But the part of this debate that the WHO and the scientists um are disagreeing about whether or not it's airborne or can be can linger in the air is about the particle size. So um <clears throat> Skeptics are saying that if the particle size is larger than five microns, it's too heavy to travel more than six feet and it's going to fall on a surface, right? But the chemist from Colorado pointed to a 1934 study. He's like, We already know that particles bigger than five microns can travel further in the air. In 1934, they did a study that a 50 micron particle could stay in the air for 20 seconds, a 5 micron for 15 minutes, and a 1 micron particle for hours. He's like, we already know that, so what are you guys talking about? He was backed up by another person, Donald Milton, who was an aerosol expert from the University of Maryland. He said that there's been numerous peer-reviewed scientific publications that have clearly shown that particles, even as large as 30 microns, can move on air currents and travel more than 10 meters indoors. Outdoors, you know, you get other factors involved. But indoors, 30 microns, 10 meters, that is beyond our six feet distance. Hello. And that is Bigger than these five microns that they have latched onto. The other problem is that when people breathe or cough or sneeze, the particles are not. It's not a uniform. It's not like everyone sneezes and your the particle size that comes out is one micron or 20 microns. It varies per person per um, per type of um, expulsion of the um, <clears throat> air. Like it just it varies widely. So there's no way to say that this sneeze will travel 10 and that one won't. So why are we not just protecting ourselves against all of them? And why is that not just the standard? I don't understand why we don't operate in an abundance of caution instead of this tendency to be more lax. That's what I can't figure out. So the guy from uh, University of Maryland said this, this debate is basically a waste of time that we know particles and travel. So why don't we just, you know, get it together, guys. Um, they said that they had similar resistance um, when with the flu vi- influenza, with the flu. They said in the beginning, um, because it was so difficult to cap capture samples of the flu virus in the air that. everybody was skeptical and, oh, it can't be this, but then it's been proven over and over again that it can be, that you could sneeze and give the flu to somebody. Um, So I don't know what we're doing about coronavirus. And it's just taking, but apparently this is the way the science community likes to work with regard to pathogens like this. Um, The point is, 239 scientists felt strongly enough about this To write the WHO and say, hey, we should tell people, warn people that COVID can link, coronavirus can linger in the air, especially indoors, and that you should be wearing a mask all the time when you're away from home. Just wear the freaking mask, people. Just wear them, they will help. But you know, it's a political issue here in the United States, so that's not gonna happen any not a collective wearing of masks. It's not gonna happen anytime soon and it's super frustrating. So once again, and I said this multiple times on the show, you just gotta do what you can do to protect yourself. But there's a little more information that with regard to being indoors and whether or not you're six feet apart may not be enough. Um yeah. That's pretty much what that, I got from that. Wear your mask, people. The last thing that I'm going to talk about today is the WNBA. I know, never thought I'd say that. <laughs> Anywho, so the Atlanta Dream, um, a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream is Senator Kelly Loeffler. A senator from Georgia, a Republican. She told the WNBA commissioner on Tuesday that she didn't want players um, wearing warm up jerseys that had Black Lives Matter or say her name on them. <clears throat> she instead says she wanted for all the all the uniforms and all the apparel to have the American American flag and nothing. That's it. You can put the flag on it. None of this other Black Lives Matter stuff. LaFleur has previously said that the Black Lives Matter movement is a Marxist political organization that actively promotes violence and destruction across the country. So because of this, because of that statement and some others like it, she had been, she had faced calls uh, that were asking her to step down and all this other stuff, but she ignored them and she was like, oh, the critics are just trying to silence me and take away my business. Really? Is that what they're trying to do? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so the WNBA has distanced itself as an organization from her and issued a statement this past last week that said, um, it would continue to use their platform to vigorously advocate for social justice and said that Senator Lochler um, has not served as governor of the Atlanta dream since October, 2019, and is no longer involved in the day-to-day business of the team. Lady, you just, I don't understand why you felt the need to say something. If those players, I guess because they wanted to put it on the uniform and she's like, no. um, Just stupid and unnecessary. Um, So anyway, so last week, also 13 Atlanta Dream players posted their response to all of this on Twitter. So they wrote, we are the women of the Atlanta Dream. We are the women who support a movement. We are strong and we are fearless. We offer a voice to the voiceless. Our team is united in the movement for black lives. It is not extreme to demand change after centuries of inequality. This is not a political statement. This is a statement of humanity. Black Lives Matter. And it was signed by 13 players from the Atlanta Dream. So they basically told co-owner Senator Loeffler where she could take her opinions. And I like it. Like it. That's why I put it on here. I like it a lot. So I think that's a good way to end it in the show today. Um, Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. And I'll see you next week. Bye.